Wow, thanks for keeping me in the loop. I just show up and do what I'm told. I compared him to just some sort of wrong-headed Will Ferrell with that punchable yeah. face. I have been very hesitant about this part of this podcast because I did not like this movie. Well, the big trick this week might be figuring out if there's two people on this podcast or three. It should be fun as we move away from the libraries and into the family room. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. And yeah, we made a trip to the library last week. Very informative. We learned things about libraries themselves, and we learned about a lot of horror movies in libraries because we talked with Jennifer from reallibrarians.com. And uh, we're going to have her on again because she was great, and later we're going to dive into librarians specifically in horror. Last time it was just library moments, but it was a lot of fun, and we got a lot of feedback. People love libraries and librarians. They do, and they ought to, because as we pointed out on the podcast, they are our modern-day superheroes. And also, we have a lot of librarians who are part of the Fright Club pack. So. And we, we learned that we we can talk in the library. It's all right. You know what? You probably would still get shushed. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Point taken. But because she's a librarian, and that makes her very thorough and good with research and knows what she's talking about, she had the most to say about what we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah. So let's just run down this list of- Hit it. But Jennifer had to point out that we didn't actually cover and we should have. This is, hey, let's call it Jennifer's Greatest Hits. (laughs) The Seventh Victim, Shadow of a Doubt, Curse of the Demon, The Monster That Challenged the World. I don't even know that movie. Quartermass in the Pit, The Night Strangler, Scream, Blackula, Scream. How did I forget that? Man, I don't know. How did I leave that off? That's on you, demerits. That's right. Amityville 2, The Possession, Transylvania Twist, Scream 3, Killer Movie, Truth or Dare, The Changeling, Abandon, and... The Forgotten. Yeah, she has got a list. And really, check out her website. Very thorough. Real-librarians.com. R-E-E-L. Yes, exactly. So uh, we're going to get back with her in a few weeks. Glad we had her on. And thank you for all the feedback. Did we get any anybody that had any that we uh, were angry that we missed? No. I mean, if they had, she obviously would have covered with that group. But I think Katie and Brandon in particular, who are our resident librarians, mm-hmm. they were particularly happy to hear it. All right, good. So we'll, we will revisit that down the line. But today, effed up families. Right. And there's a good reason for this subject, right? Especially this week. Especially, well, as we tape this, three days away from a big moment in our family. That's right. It's our son's birthday. March is, March is our son's month. It's his birthday. And we decided that we would have him on. And I thought about some different possible things that we could cover. He's a musician. So we thought maybe we would do something there. And then I just thought, let's just do super messed up families. Not that we are one. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's welcome in Donovan, straight from L.A., Donovan. And he sounds just a little bit like me. Welcome. I don't sound anything like you. <laughs> okay, There's fine. This is get confusing at all. <laughs> well, this should be fun because you've got you've got a few ideas of your own. I mean, we've got a top six, right, mm-hmm. that you've figured, but you have a ton that you thought about, and Donovan, you have some as well. So this should be fun to get into. And then once we get to the top six, you've seen all but one of them, correct? All but one. I couldn't find one, but I hunted down. I did. I just sort of like slammed them in the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Binge watching. All yes. right, fun. So before we get to our top six effed up, man, what were some of the ones that you considered? This, I mean, just scanning this list, it's a good one. 
It is. And the, one of the first things that I had to do, because, I mean, it's it, there are thousands and thousands of horror movies that are focused on screwed up family members. So I had to, like, create some rules so that we could prune some stuff. So one of the things that we looked at was a whole family. The whole family is in one way or another nuts. So it's not just, like, one madman spoiling it for everybody, like The Shining or Amityville Horror, things like that. And then there has to be some size to the family, which is to say it can't just be a couple of siblings because we've done that. We've done twins. We've done mothers and daughters. We will be doing fathers and daughters soon. So we're looking for... A larger group. We'll see right there. We don't qualify. There's only three of us. We're out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then some of the ones even that would still fit this bill that were good and, and you should all watch anyway, but weren't quite good enough to make this list. One of our all-time favorites, Frailty. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Uh, good Night, Mommy. That's a great one. Your Next. That's a screwed up family. The Brood. Oh, my God. That that puts the F in F done. The Brood does. <laughs> what about Eraserhead? Okay. <laughs> Two Fs. Bad Boy Bubby. Rosemary's Baby. The Shining. The Witch. Hellraiser. People Under the Stairs. Shaitan. I really wanted to include that one. And yeah. you know I wanted to include the next one. The Loved Ones. I did. Of course. You'll put that on every list. <laughs> The loved ones. <laughs> Those are all good. Are. Uh, and, and especially, I thought about, when, when we first brought this up, I thought, well, the witch will be on there. But we have talked about that a lot, and that's fine. That family's pretty effed. Yeah. And that goat just makes it even worse. So that's a bunch that we considered. And uh, Donovan, you've got your own. What are you thinking? I had, yeah, my, my list is obviously not going to be as thorough. Uh, the three that I had thought, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, it's on in the house constantly. I've seen it like 15 times. And also like as a white zombie fan, it just kind of feels like they took a white zombie video and stretched it all the way out. That um, is why and- it feels like very tiresome to me. But the, <laughs> but the fireflies, they're a very interesting and very screwed up family. Uh, yes. And so I like uh, that a lot. And then I guess more recently, Parasite to me feels like a, a pretty clear example. And especially they do the fun game of like, at any point in the movie, which family you think is the screwed up one may be different. Right. They kind of take on a whole arc of who's really the villain in what we're doing here. Um, yeah, that's one then, of the that's one of the genius things about oh, that movie is the shifting yeah. your shifting perspective when you think yes. you have it figured out and then you don't. Yeah, you don't know what team you're supposed to be on and who's <laughs> sympathetic. Um, and then to me, the scariest of the families that I could think of was the, the get out family. Um, yeah. because they're so, it's so up in that way that like excessive passive aggressive politeness can just suffocate you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I liked it. Be, I like the way they do that because they didn't go for sort of the more typical, the family's terrifying right? They went for all the way like, Oh God, that's so much scarier. Yeah. Why won't she stop with that teacup or whatever? <laughs> um, so yeah, th- those were the three big ones I could think of uh, where the families are profoundly upsetting. <laughs> oh yeah. Get out for sure. Oh yeah. It's so great. And like you say, I mean, one of the reasons why it's so great is that they feel so like people you kind of know, you know, yeah, you don't get to I know them well because they, they're yeah. rich, but you know of them and you would never think. And then you're like, oh no, sure. Of course they are yeah, this horrible. Absolutely. This is a nightmare. <laughs> Those are all good, but uh, didn't quite crack our top six, top five. So you want to dive into this? And this is perfect to start out with because uh, it was actually, well, no, not that it was yesterday, International Woman's Day. And uh, by the way, that was the fright of the day on the Fright Club podcast Facebook group. So this is my obligatory moment to tell you to join. If you're not a member of the Fright Club podcast group, we'd love to have you. Just check it out on Facebook and send a request and I will... uh, Give you a lightning quick approval. 
unless you're some kind of psycho, and then it'll be even quicker. Yeah. Get so, in there. <laughs> Fright Club Podcast Group on Facebook. All right, so at number six, it's a successful country lawyer capturing and attempting to civilize the last remaining member of a violent clan that has roamed the northeast coast for decades. He puts the lives of his family in jeopardy. From 2011, it's The Woman. This is our project, and it's a secret. What are we going to do with her? We're going to help her. We're going to train her, civilize her, free her from herself, from her baser instincts. Do you really think we should be doing this? Do we really get to keep her? We do. Yes, I was so... This... This arguably was the one I had the most fun watching. I mean, fun isn't, uh, you know, fun is a, you know what I'm saying, a loose term. <laughs> yeah. um, however you'd want to, I liked this one so much. And there there were so many things about it. I The the dad's creepy Will Ferrell energy was mm-hmm. so upsetting. He has like that same whimsical, like there's a melody to everything he says and it makes him so horrifying. And then the other thing, I left it and I was being like, you know who I bet loves this movie? Emerald Fennel. I bet Emerald Fennel would really, I'm sure she's seen it. I bet this seems like her jam. This uh, a lot of her vibe in that. Yeah, she's the writer-director, of course, from Promising Young Woman that we love so much. And I Which think, is a, I, a masterpiece of a movie. Yeah, and, and I think you're right on uh, about the dad, Chris Cleek, played by Sean Bridgers. Such subversive humor to it especially with the family, in that family unit, before they even get to uh, and interact with the woman, of course, played by Pollyanna McIntosh. And it's funny that you say Will Ferrell, because I remember when I I reviewed this movie when it came out in 2011, and that's exactly why I compared him to just some sort of wrong-headed Will Ferrell with that punchable face. Oh, Oh, and the, yeah, that, like, the... The small town likability that he's kind of cramming into these horrifying decisions. And then there's so many. He That guy does such a good job of, like, doing something terrible and then immediately being like, well, let's watch TV. Like, ah, what are we even talking about? Right. Right. And this is writer-director Lucky McKee. And it's been a favorite of ours for years. And I always think back to when we did the feminist horror and we had our friend melissa on and this was on our list and for a lot of people you might not think so but then dig deeper and you find oh yes there are lots of feminist qualities here yeah i think one of the things that it does really effectively is to upend the idea of patriarchy um yes. and and i think that it's if you don't because it, 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 it'd be it would be an easy film not to make it all the way through it's very grim and if you don't make it all the way through, then it just feels like torture porn at the expense of a female character. But if you pay any attention to that female character, she's clearly going to kill some people and probably oh, yeah. eat them alive. Oh, yeah. And since we're focusing on effed up families, you just get the feeling that had it not been for this particular woman and then they captured her, something was going to set them off. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much about what's going on out in the, the barn, but they are really messed up and the the movie is able to as as you point out Donovan in a subversively funny cold black humor way just point out the the facades in these these straight upstanding families in suburbia oh yeah the cookies it, it's the cookie scene i think is the, is what does that the best uh, between the mom angela Bettis, always sublime and oh. little darlin who's going to go at, go on and get her own sequel at some point i think that the way that they yeah. set up that sort of Country mouse, family, wholesome family is is just perfectly done. 
Exactly, and that is number six on our list of effed up families from 2011. The woman moving into the top five, one that we've talked about many, 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 many times, but that's all right because it deserves it. Two siblings and three of their friends en route to visit their grandfather's grave in Texas fall victim to a family of cannibalistic psychopaths from 74, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love it so much. I love it so much. And I like that for this one, for this podcast, we get to just focus on the family who doesn't actually have a last name in this first one. They go on to be called the Sawyers through most of the rest of the franchise, though not all of them. It's the Hitchhiker, uh, Leatherface, of course, and the Cook. And uh, and then, of course, Grandpa. And that's what I think one of the my one of I think is the best, most difficult scenes to get through in this movie is the dinner scene. Where they just really want to see Grandpa knock the, this woman's head in with a be- just for one last time for old time's sakes. Come on, Grandpa! And then you know the way Toby Hooper films it, this these close up on her eyeball as she's just like it's it's almost like it's like us. We're taking this in. Like, is this really happening? Can I possibly? Get- what is wrong with this family? And the thing is that the rest of the film I don't think is humorous. I think there are moments. I think this particular scene could be taken very comedically, um, but it's yeah. so grisly that it's hard to see that but i really feel like you know the this scene the scene at the dinner table gives you such a weird family dynamic the way they bitch at each other and bicker and and the way they use this person to sort of explain to the audience what their position is in the family i think it's just fascinating yeah i think if there's any scene that is comedic it could be this one and some of it for me is the fact that grandpa reminds me of Monty Burns from The Simpsons when he's just not strong enough to lift anything. You know, they want they want him to beat her and he just can't do it. And yeah, I was also I was super interested in like they pump up the dude's skills so much and then he's so feeble. I'm like, so what was he lo- So what's 35-year-old grandpa doing? What's the thing that made y'all talk about him like this? <laughs> the the blood in the finger scene, right? My brain kept being like this scene feels like if Satan rewrote the last scene from the Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> wow. That's strong. That's a strong uh, metaphor, analogy. <laughs> nice. And of course, as we know, they really did cut her finger. Right. Oh, nice. She didn't know they were going to, and they just did oh, it. Oh, that's not cool. Oh, that's no. not cool. Yeah, and I, I guess that. she got, well, she got a lot of cuts when she was running, you know, running through the uh, woods out there and through all the branches and things. She got a lot of... Uh, a lot of cuts and bruises, so she suffered for the art. But boy, uh, it, it worked out. And another, and I, every time we talk about this movie, I always bring up my most frightening scene is the slamming of that door. But you know what? It kind of oh, works. Yeah, yeah. It, it works in a familiar sense too, because then you ju- it's a it signifies what's going on behind that door. Because boom, it it smashes, it slams with such a finality. That you're out there and all this family craziness is in here. So I just, I mean, that's one of my favorite scenes really in horror. To the bone, it's just tremendously frightening. It is. And it, and it speaks to how great the sound design is that movie. Right. It's, you know, for an, an outdoor film, broad daylight, the sound of the chainsaw, you know, the the body going on the hook. It just, the sound design in this movie is glorious. Yeah. The, the one other thing that I really appreciated about it is I often feel like the, the classic slasher villains like Michael Myers or like Jason are not that interesting as people. They're just like large masses that don't make noise. And it's like, they more represent fear than our friend. This dude with the animal noises, and then that he comes in with the makeup on the right. thing with 
big. I was like, they really, they made a character out of this guy. They didn't just go big, scary. Also, because I was watching this with my roommates, the vision to pick that short sleeve button up shirt for him. Like, <laughs> oh, to just know that that's what he needed. Incredible. Yeah. And that you, you create a, a, a backstory without a backstory because then you just know, yes. good God. That just brings the effed up of this family into that because look how he is now. How did he get that way? And we don't need an origin story, as you've pointed out many times with these these killers. We don't. We don't need it. It's even more frightening when we don't know. We just know it was yeah. bad. Yes. And that's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, number five from 1974. We'll get a lot more recent on the next one, moving up to number four in effed up families. This is from 2019. A soon-to-be stepmom is snowed in with her fiancé's two children at a remote holiday village. Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, some strange and frightening events take place. It's the Lodge. How would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea, and it's a couple days. I can do a couple days. What is that? Christ. Everyone committed suicide except for her. Repent and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us. And we're stuck in a house together. What is this? The power's out. Where are my things? It makes no sense. What? I heard something. We were lucky enough to see this one early at the Nightmares Film Festival of that year. Loved it, and it's great for effed up families because right away, my first thought goes to that dad. He's an ass! <laughs> yeah, he's a complete dumbass. He's a complete dumbass. And this is from the same people, um, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz, who did... Uh, good night, good mommy. night, mommy. So they're frightened of children, <laughs> and they and they 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 put up a good case for it. They really do. This is such an incredibly well put together film. And Riley Keough plays Grace, plays assumed to be stepmother, and she has her own very screwed up family background that they just sort of tease. They don't really explore. But right from the very from the the Thanksgiving feast, where the dad lets the kids know that they're all going to go spend a snowy weekend with the woman who. And did their parents' marriage. The Thanksgiving meal, the decorations, it's outdoors. They've got, like, turkey lights hanging. It's the screwiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's a great cast. You mentioned uh, Riley Keough, and then Jade Martell, who we always love, is the the son, the oldest uh, of the kids. Alicia Silverstone, actually, now she's the ex-wife, yeah. and she's got a an important but smaller part. But it's so fascinating that right away, you mentioned that scene, uh, right away in the early interactions, uh, Riley Keough's character, Grace, is just so, she's so passionless. She just has no emotion whatsoever. And you think, okay, the dad, Richard, uh, played by Richard Armitage, just thinks they're going to bond. They're going to bond while he just takes off and they get snowed in. What gave him that idea? Because we don't want to give away too much of the film, but um, it's more than just a divorce that is going to keep these kids from liking this woman. And that he just leaves them all alone in a frozen isolated cabin people who like each other don't get along have has he never seen a horror film yeah he is the biggest dumbass of a dad ever but it turns out that the kids are are quite screwed up as well 
And then, of course, Grace, as we knew it would come about, she's she's not right either because she's had some some bad family upbringing. And the whole thing together comes to a boil in a way that was such a gut punch. I was very impressed by where the film took you. You know, some people don't like those, don't appreciate those gut punches to have at the end of a movie. But boy, that can be just to me. And I know to you, I don't know about you, Donovan, that can be just as effective as some some happy ending. A lot of times even more so, especially in this genre. Yeah, I definitely have a tendency as a viewer to resent the decision to go with the happy ending, especially (laughs) if it's clear that like you guys were just too cowardly to do the real one. Come on. Totally agreed. I tried really hard to hunt this one down, and I, I clearly just need to spend a little bit more time trying because it sounds fantastic. Everything I saw about it was great, but this is the one I wasn't able to watch by this. Yeah, definitely worth it if you can find it. Uh, should be able to somewhere, I think. It's only a couple years old. I'm bad at finding things. I'm sure I can. <laughs> <laughs> From 2019, that is The Lodge, number four. And moving up to number three on effed up families, when the patriarch of this family passes away, the teenage children must take responsibility for the family chores, the preparation of the rituals, the hunting, and the putting of the all-important meat on the table. Hint, hint, hint. From 2010, we are what we are. I don't have fear. You would see. So we really could do either one, the Spanish language original or the American remake, the Jim Mickle remake, which is really very good. It's very good. And I didn't want to see it because I love the original so much. And I think that he did a great job with with reworking it to sort of entrench it in American folklore. But this one, the original is Jorge Michael Grau's Mexican film is about really just disposable populations in Mexico City. And it's just absolutely brilliant because you you start with this family and it's almost as if the rest of the world has evolved around it and they never abandon that kind of primitive hunter you know, gatherer sort of a culture that is entirely their own. And so when the father dies, they have to figure out what they're going to do. And it's so there are parts of it that's almost Shakespearean in the way that the brothers and sisters are like eyeballing each other and sort of, you know, making teams and reteaming to determine who does get to be the leader, which also means that they have to do something they don't want to do. The dynamic inside the family is fascinating. And then also the context that they situate this in is fascinating. And then what happens when they try to take things over and the comeuppance that they face, everything about this movie was so unique, was so unexpected, and was so perfectly executed. I just love it. Yeah, and Grau said his intention was to make a film about family disintegration, but it just happened to be a horror movie about cannibals. And I think it it very clearly works on both levels, and I'm glad you mentioned when the the children have to fight for who's the alpha, because I love the scene when you find out who is the alpha. And after that scene, it's there's there's no discussion. We know. I have been very hesitant about this part of this podcast because I did not like this movie. Ooh. And so I watched it and then I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to say I didn't like it. And then listen to them explain to me why I was too stupid. <laughs> no, to catch no, one. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, 
Not that you would put it that way, but that's how it would be. And so I read like 15 reviews and breakdowns of this movie last night, and I still don't like it. That's okay. Uh, What don't you like about it? I'd love to know. The idea that it all functions as this really effective social commentary, I just didn't see. I saw people saying it, but I don't see the, like, I didn't see how that was well executed with the narrative. Like, okay, they're, they're, they're getting forgot, but that it didn't seem like what it is analogous to. I didn't see how that was painted well for me. Hmm. And then the, the, the power dynamics within the family, I'm like, okay, I clearly see what we're doing, but also I feel like within five minutes of meeting all the characters, I can see the actual power structure. You can tell by the way they, we know how this is gonna go. We know who's actually where. The one thing that I like about this movie is I got to get in a joke I was really proud of, which is at one point they hurt Alfredo and he's bloody and I got to turn to who I was watching it with and go, that's not Alfredo, that's red sauce. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's interesting because we don't often have a, a contrary opinion like that, but that's, that's fine. I would be interested just if you ever have time to to seek out the um, American remake from 2013, oh, yeah? just to see often, just to see if it's good. So I skipped it. But if this one is. Yeah, it is. It is good. I, it we, is. we don't think it's as good as this one. But since you have negative views on this one, I'd be interested to see if you think the American remake, uh, Jim Mickle, does it any better. Okay. The, now, the one thing I, I will say, every, the cast was wonderful. My issue, I thought everybody performed it really, really well. And then the daughter is in Sin Nombre, which yeah. uh, I watched uh, a little while ago and was very good in that. And she was wonderful. Uh, everybody in the cast was really, really, really good. The mom was great. Everybody was great in it. Um, so that none of my qualms are there. Everybody performed it wonderfully. <laughs> also, the cop, the two cops were so funny looking. Like, <laughs> I wanted to be in the casting room when they just ran through guys and saw those two and were like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's interesting. You know, all opinions and all breakdowns appreciated. It's interesting to get because I haven't really run into too many people who feel that way about this movie uh, not to say that you're wrong at all no but i, I mean, can tell from the reviews that most people did not and i was like i must be missing something well, i don't know you know it just it didn't work for you so who, who knows why but yeah if you get a chance uh, check out the american oh, but, remake and see if it works oh, any better but that is number three on f up families the spanish language original we are what we are moving up to number two this is another foreign language film a young woman studying to be a vet develops a craving for human flesh from 2016 it's raw This is the only one I had actually seen going into this because of a conversation from like a year and a half ago where I had asked what are the, like some of the roughest movies to sit through. And I think <laughs> okay. in that conversation that got name checked. And so I went into it. This I this I this movie is so great on so many levels. But one of the things that keeps sticking with me is the way they use music in that like they put there's a lot of like where they they use like weird electronic dance music mm-hmm. in scenes where that would not ever have been my instinct but works so oddly well in unsettling you um and then yeah just the way they unfold the girl's discovery of her own tendencies mm-hmm. and how she handles it is so well done and does such a good job of like showing you the things instead of beating you over the head with like exposition about it i remember we had heard, of course, a lot about, ooh, how gross and barf bags and all that. And mm-hmm. 
I don't think it's that bad at all. I mean, it's no it's no G-rated, you know, family Sunday picnic, but uh I love I love the ending. I love the ending so much. It, to me it's just, it's just perfect and ties a bow on this family comment about not just the girl and not just her tendencies, but the whole family. I love the final scene. I love the look on the dad's face. It's just a chef's kiss for me on that. Yeah, it is. It's one of, one of, I mean, we folk, we featured this movie when we did a podcast on sisters, and that makes good sense, right? Yep. Justine goes to college, and the family thinks that her older sister is going to sort of mentor her through is, and she's not a good influence. Um, no. <laughs> and, no. Not no. thoughtful or reasoned in particular. No. And um, and one of the things that is is great about the movie is that it's just a coming of age. It's just a coming of age tale. And uh, and it's just done so perfectly within this metaphor that they use. It's just absolutely brilliant. But like you said, I mean, I think it's great. And we don't want to give anything away, especially if you haven't seen this movie. You really need to see this movie. It's utterly brilliant. But there is uh, there's uh, an element once they get to like the third act and you're like, oh, oh, oh wow. OK. Also, yeah. Shout out to one of our all time favorites, Laurent Lucas from Calvert. He's great in this. And the writer director here is Julia Ducarneau. And we've been waiting I think every time we talk about this movie, I go, and what is she doing? And we're still waiting. But that's all right, because we know it's going to be good once it gets here. That is raw. Definitely one that we don't want, especially since it's only five years old now. We don't want to give anything away. But man, is it is it worth checking out? And uh, the metaphor works, yeah. And the, the whole comment on the family and, and these tendencies. And yes, it is a little rough to watch, but... Definitely worth it. The only other thing I was just going to uh, agree with the idea that the the final scene really does such an incredible job of it ties a lot of things together in a really satisfying way, but that never seems forced. A right. lot of times when directors go for that bow ending at the end. It's like, this is stop it. This doesn't work. You're just trying to get in and under a time crunch. And it really everything comes together exactly the way it Believe like it, it's very very believable and very natural, and that can be hard a lot. I think. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bow that doesn't seem like a bow. Very compelling uh, once it hits you. Raw from 2016, number two, taking us up to number one. Effed up families. Oh yes, they are here. A grieving family haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences from 2018. Hereditary. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Mom? I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening? Pina! Don't you ever raise your voice to me. I am your mother. Mom, what's happening? Stop, stop. Now, this is one, Donovan, you were saying how you couldn't find negative reviews, negative opinions so much about we are what we are. This is one that, especially right after it came out, we found it to be, I guess, more polarizing than we anticipated. We just loved it. But for some people, it did not work at all. And it worked, I've said this before, it worked for me on two levels. It worked on the quote-unquote supernatural level of what's going on with the demons, and it worked as a dysfunctional family drama too. I think it works both ways beautifully. 
I finished this movie like 15 minutes ago. Like I finished it and then walked in here and started. That movie was insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot fathom how people would watch that movie and not love it. I was blown away by every. First of all, Tony Collette is just out here as a flamethrower. Every scene, that woman is just like she's majestic. Yes. The amount the amount of times that I found myself going, will someone check in on Gabriel Byrne? Will someone take care of this man who is just suffering in silence? That poor, poor guy. And then they they did that movie does such a wonder that the I don't know her name. The the friend, Tony Collette's friend. Oh, that's starts, um Ann Dowd from Compliance and so many other things. Great, great character actress. Yeah, she was so good in a way that before, as before, I understood her character. I, 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 I was like, I would watch the rough scenes ten times over before I have to watch one more conversation with this lady. Her, <laughs> when she comes over and keeps Tony Collette in the car and is talking through the, I was like, this is killing me. Oh, let this woman go. Why are you making her suffering about your suffering, you psychopath? You know, I'm glad you feel that strongly about it, because when it works for people, it works so deeply like that. It's so effed up. And and that's how, how we feel about it. And again, this is only, you know, how many years old now? Um, not very. So we don't want to spoil too much. But the the effed upness of this family, it's not just this generation. It goes back a ways. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ari Aster, the writer director, who also, of course, did um, Midsummer, said he wanted to make a film about suffering that took suffering seriously. Well, just from those two movies, the, he, he can do suffering, and he can make us see that suffering. But in this case, it's it's so definitely a horror film as well. I mean, my God, that ending, she's walking on the ceiling. Yeah, it's Ugh. funny. Uh, there's a, a, a meme going on. It's actually just a screenshot. Uh, um, Ari Aster asked me anything, AMA. The very first comment, you okay? And his response, <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems like a troubled soul. Um, and, and, and yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of people, I think, I think in both of his films, he doesn't turn the camera away where everybody else does. Like he he really just lives in the worst parts of what could possibly happen to somebody. And I think the scene for me that that shows that the best is when um, Alex Wolf wakes up in his bed and he's just laying there and the camera is just on his face, just on his face. It's just on his face. We hear the mom call for him, hear the mom go outside, hear the mom open the car door. We hear the mom screaming and screaming and screaming. Of course, Trolley Collette, absolutely brilliant. It's grief and horror like you can't possibly imagine. That's the sound. And the camera never leaves the boy's face. It, it's the most stunning piece of film from that entire year. And and that everything else about that movie is, is gorgeous. The the shots of the house from the exterior, the shots of the little miniatures that she's oh. making. Why is oh. she making them? What's wrong with her head? What did her mom do to her? I mean, this How? is maybe the best movie about family dysfunction I've ever seen. How did they pull off that shot where they pull into the miniature and yeah. then it's there? How did they do that? Yeah. It's so great and it's it works on such a great metaphorical level too because then that shot makes you think, okay, are we inside that is someone outside pulling the strings on this family? What's going on here? It's a great shot, I agree with you, and it works so well metaphorically that sets the whole thing up. Yeah, love. I'm, I'm so glad you feel as deeply about this movie as we do. 
it was amazing. We're so proud of you. <laughs> and that's I, good parenting. That's right. I feel like I feel like if we've done anything with this podcast, anybody who is listening is going to go, "Yes, he sounds just like his dad, and he talks just like his mom." This is what I think. That's essentially what I say if people out here ask about you guys. I'm like, I'm like her, but with his voice and bone structure. <laughs> <laughs> but you got her height, which is good. <laughs> Number one on our list of effed up families. So great. Hereditary from 2018. And we talked about those six and we talked about a bunch that didn't quite make the list. You had some. He had some. So it's good. But if we missed any. By all means, let us know. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of us and keep the conversation going, you know, it's Fright Club Pod on Twitter. Or one more time, what's that Facebook group? It's Fright Club Podcast. <laughs> yes, thank you for saying so. Uh, and that's where you can find that. Find us, of course, on uh, Instagram, on Facebook. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. The main website is MadWolf.com. Now, Donovan, he's out in L.A. You're doing the music. You're doing uh, the acting, the auditions, the modeling. Where can everybody find you and what you're working on? It's all going to be at uh, New Plague Radio. Uh, at New Plague Radio, either on Instagram or New Plague Radio on YouTube. It's all the same stuff, but that's where everything is going to be um, centered. And as a, an awkward attempt to make it seem like it ties in, uh, we just filmed a new music video, and the lyric in the lyrics is a big Pet cemetery reference. Nice. Uh, all right. So, yeah. So, if you know, little, uh, if you want to try and hunt that down, uh, we're still, you know, we're still trying to keep the horror thing going, even on our end, little by little. Now, I know your first band video, you directed it. Did you direct this one? I did. I did. And I did a much better job. So it took way less time. We got to sleep a little bit this time. I thought you did a darn good job on the first one. We I, loved it. The I, first song, by the way, is called Methamphetamine Dance. And you can find that on, on uh, Donovan's YouTube channel. And then the other thing that you could do just real quickly, because you mentioned earlier that you were, you were fascinated by the score in Raw. Uh, Donovan has scored both of our short films, and you can see one of them, Godspeed, it's pinned, it's a pinned tweet. Um, and then the other one, he stars in and scores, which you can't see yet, but at some point you can. It's a short film called Obstacle Corpse. So much going on. Exciting. So look up New Plague Radio, and uh, I dig the tunes. I'd be bummed otherwise. <laughs> All right, so what do we got coming up uh, next time? We are closing in on our 200th episode. We're probably going to do a StreamYard, a live Facebook event for that one. Unless we're back in front of live crowds by then, who knows? But we'll see. But between now and then, it's going to be the fun yearly Skeletons in the Closet episode because the Oscar nominations are going to come out. And so we will quickly follow that up with a list of the best bad horror movies that Oscar nominees have made. Uh, and then also in the near future, filmmaker and Nightmares Film Festival programmer and founder, Jason Tostevin, is going to join us. We're going to stay with the family kind of tradition, and we're going to talk about fathers and daughters in horror. Well, see that? You, you told me you were going to reach out to him. I didn't know he got back to us, so he picked that. Wow, thanks for keeping me in the loop. I just show up and do what I'm told. It's the Fright Club Podcast. Keep in touch if you can. You got a lot of great stuff uh, coming up in the future, as always. Check out Donovan and his band, New Plague Radio, and um, we hope to see it. It's been nice to see you on Skype. Yes, this is so lovely. <laughs> to make this a regular thing. It only took uh, how many years have we been doing this now before we got you on the show? <laughs> It was a lot of fun, and uh, until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast, and he is Donovan Mad Wolf Jr. You can do the out. Stay frightful, my friends. 